Good morning. I've been struggling with this passage for a long time. Because I must confess to you, if I, if I don't know how to process my own sins, I'm never going to make it in terms of overcoming them. So it's become a personal vendetta with me. How to understand the work of the Holy Spirit when He deals with my own life. You see, we don't pay attention to this because we, we feel that ourselves, we are able and qualified to put it under the rug and move on. A lot of wrong decisions have been made by Christian people, gifted people, in terms of how to process what you are and how to handle that which in you is called your personal sin. And so, Ephesians is the book that we're going to tackle. And he has on the first verse, chapter 2, And you has he quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins. And so, this death over here, who were dead in trespasses and sins, it is not physical, but it's spiritual death. For unsaved people are very much alive physically. You're not dead physically, but spiritually you begin to uh, change your attitude, change your joy, and you, and you begin to retaliate. When you approach sin from the, 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 the perspective of Christ, there is no retaliation. And so after you receive from the Lord conviction of the Holy Spirit, it should quiet you down to overcome. But most people begin to retaliate. They begin to accuse. They begin to play games of, of, of guilty games. They begin to harass others. They begin to become uh, people that think that their behavior will change by accusing. So, Death, in this case, is really not physical, but spiritual. Now, death signifies the absence of communication with the living. So, in every situation that sin is involved in the Old Testament or New Testament, it's you and somebody else. It's never you in an organization. Never you or a machine. Never you or a house. Never you versus a car. It's people. Every single thing about you in terms of God and your sin is about somebody else. And if I go to an audience and begin to pray for them, I'm able to, to actually pinpoint the situation because it, 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 it's not going to be you and a horse, you and a cow. It's you and her or him, one of the two. So one who is dead spiritually has no communication with God. This person is separated from God. Totally separated. The, the, the phrase over here, transgressions and sins, shows the sphere of death, suggesting that sin has killed a lot of people. And it has killed people not because of the sin, but how you interpret sin and you come to a newness of life. Because after you sin, 
You want to take down with you as many people as possible. And so I want to explain this to you. Because if you are in a situation where you need the forgiveness of God, and we are in second chapter of Ephesians, when you need the forgiveness of God, I want you to know that people who have overcome sin, made friends and, and, and loved ones and family and other people, and they became dear friends among themselves and became friendly, became people that love God because they didn't take with them casualties. Now, what do you mean by casualty? If you deal with your sin and you don't properly deal with your transgressions and sins, you begin to accuse somebody else. Very difficult to overcome sin when you take people down with you. So, here's, here's Romans 5.12. It, it tells you, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death brought, sin brought death. And so death passed on upon all men, for that all have sinned. Notice that it doesn't say death passed on upon all men. It doesn't say death passed on upon corporations. Death passed upon buildings. Death passed upon animals. Death passed upon organizations. It's a human thing. Now, when sin in your life becomes a target to where relationships are broken, friendships are broken, love is broken, accusation takes place, you are finding your forgiveness by accusing somebody else. Every human being that does not confess their sin stay in a spiritual state. Confession, in this sense, is very important. But when the confession turns into disliking, belittling, point fingers, accusing, harassing somebody else because of your sin, that really simply uh, is not godly. And that really will not produce results. I hope you're listening to me this morning because I'm talking about a real thing. Transgressions and sins, which in Greek is the word hamartia. The word hamartia explains the root of transgressions and sins. Hamartia simply means when you have sinned, you miss the mark. Now, missing the mark, Paul says, if you miss the mark, you try it again. But people who miss the mark and, and begin to accuse others, begin to belittle others, begin to harass others. They're not dealing with their sin. They're trying to put somebody else in charge and accusing them for what you have experienced. You see, sin is only dealt with when there's love out of you, kindness, gentleness, tenderness. But when there's hate and anger, when there's accusation, when there is unrighteousness, righteousness. You know, unrighteousness, righteousness, is when you, you want to do right by pitting, putting your finger up and accusing. So, 1 John 3, 7 says, He who practices righteousness is righteous. 
He who practices. So that's Paul's concept of missing the mark. If you're practicing, if you're living, if you are, if you are trying, if you are holy before God, saying, God, forgive me, Lord, help me now. Uh, you don't take casualties with you. You don't point fingers. The problem here is living and accepting forgiveness from God. You have to put this into your mind. Listen, I'm talking to you today, not about your situation, but I'm talking about how I handle it, my own sin. It's very difficult for you to be a blessing to others when you are trapped into unforgiveness. You continue to repeat the sin. You know, it's called ungeneration. You do not change. Let's say you have a sexual problem. You simply ask God to forgive you for that sexual problem. And you are forgiven. But then again, you're going to be tempted in the same sin with somebody else. And before too long, what you accuse someone and receive your personal forgiveness for your sins, you begin to practice with somebody. Why? It's because you put down the person that you sinned against or sinned against you. In other words, a prostitute has a dilemma. A prostitute woman has several men. Jesus met a woman that had several husbands, and the one she had then wasn't her husband. And Jesus forgave her and said, go and sin no more. Meaning, I didn't tell you to go and get the five husbands and harass them and accuse them and belittle and place judgment on them. When you place judgment on anyone else, you are placing judgment on yourself. When sin has the power over you, you want to continue to have power even after God forgives you. It's called condemnation. The Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation who those in Christ Jesus. Am I communicating with you now? Yeah, am, I, am I getting through? Are you hearing me today? In other words, you have a divorce. You, you lost your husband. You lost your wife. What you want of it is what that person, the other side, wants to give you. And after the judge sets a pattern of what you get and what she gets, you turn around and give her more or, or give him, him more so you can bless their lives and minister to them and open the door for reconciliation. Reconsideration. When you open the door for reconciliation, in restoration, you are saying, God, that's not what I want, but I ask you, Lord, that for the goodness of God, this divorce may come together. There's a couple that we are praying for, and they're a lovely couple. They've been, uh, he has had several marriages, but she has never remarried. And we believe that uh, because of her faith, she might bring her husband to her. And, and, and reconciliation on that marriage after 30, 20, 10 years of separation might happen. You have to put reconsideration and, uh, and forgiveness into the table in order for the Holy Spirit to heal you entirely, all of you. When you make your decision otherwise, 
you are simply just closing the door for God to continue to heal you. Now, why is that important? Well, let me take a look. First, condemnation is a tool from Satan used by a person. Condemnation is a tool from Satan used by a person to place judgment on another. It's a verbal tool. If you, if you confess, if I confess to you a sin, your job is to bring me to repentance and not to judge me. When there is judgment in your mouth, you are actually destroying the possibility that that sin be dealt with effectively. Mm. Ooh. Hallelujah. Why? Because sin is a word that is described universal. It begins with a a child. Original sin, you're born with the concept and the propensity to sin. I know someone who loved the Lord with all his heart. He was forgiven by God for the sin that he committed in marriage. The problem is, he damned his wife to no end and put her down to no end. And today he is in the same sin that he committed many years ago. And there's no end to it because he took with him someone and accused someone of his same sin. Are you in that state of mind today? Do you know that if you are dealing with sin, you have to be very careful? For whosoever... For whenever our heart condemns, whenever our heart condemns, that's First John three twenty. When your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart, and He knows everything. So the condemnation of the heart is when you have a knowledge that you have a sin in your life. Uh, John 8, 11 says, she said, Lord, no one, Lord, no one condemns. Jesus said to her, no one condemns you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I. I condemn you. Go from now on and sin no more. After that, he didn't say, you abused me, you hurt me, you did this to me, you did that to me. Her sin was being a single woman without a husband. Woman were rejected, ostracized in society in those days. Jesus knew that what she received as to rejection was greater than her sin. He saw her as an abused woman in a society. Jesus saw her suffering, being greater than her sin, extended grace to her, and not allowed her to be stoned to death. Now that's really the way, the way to approach Something in your life. And I know many of you are upset about a certain situation you're in. And what you do now is to not lift your finger or accuse anyone in order to justify yourself. When you justify yourself, you are actually as guilty for a long time to come. Second, condemnation is practiced by those who have the same sin and never came to forgiveness. Let me say it again. Condemnation is practiced by those who have the same sin 
as somebody else and never came to forgiveness. Romans 2, 1 and 2. And I want to read this to you because, because Paul touches this very... When Paul... So the first one is, is a tool of condemnation. In the first one, the first uh, condemnation is a tool of Satan used by a person. Now here, here's the second. Condemnation is practiced by those who have the same sin and never came into judgment, into forgiveness. Condemnation is practiced by those who have the same sin and never came into forgiveness. But Rick, I prayed, you probably say to me, that God forgive me, and I went through forgiveness. But as you talk to me about that man, your mouth is a dagger. You are accusing, belittling, condemning, harassing him. Therefore, you have no excuse. Whoever you are when you judge others. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself. Because you, the judge, are doing the same things. You say, we know that God's judgment are on those who do such the things and according to the truth. Do you imagine, whoever you are, that when you judge those who do the same things and yet do, do them yourself, you escape, will you escape the judgment of God? Meaning, if you accuse somebody of something and you judge them of any kind, any way, any shape or form, well, how do you mean by judgment? You were no good to me. You harassed me. You belittled me. You accused me. You did this to me. You said this. You said that. And you said that. And you said that. And Okay. You can go to God all your life. But you're going to have the same problems all over again. Because you condemned others. Condemnation, number three, causes God to extend kindness and forbearance and patience to the sinner. When God sees condemnation, He extends kindness, extends forbearance, extends patience. That's what He did with the woman at the well. That changes the heart of those with sin against God. But when God does, does that to you, you're not supposed to be taking prisoners. You're not supposed to be pointing fingers to what, how your family divided the inheritance and how things were. You're supposed to simply just shut up. Or do you despise the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience? Do you not realize that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? So repentance, in a way, it's a powerful thing that God grants us through His kindness and forbearance and patience. God does that when He sees somebody accused of sin. I have another one, number four. Those who practice condemnations who receive the most of God's wrath. Here is verse 5, chapter 2, and verse 6. And it says, it's an interesting thing. It says, For by your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. What do you mean by that? A hard heart, an impenitent heart. For he will repay according to each one's deeds. What are the deeds here? It's what you say to somebody else. It's what you do to somebody else. To those who patiently doing good, 
seek for glory and honor and immortality, he'll give eternal life. While for those who are self-seeking and who obey not the truth but weakness, there will be wrath and fury. What is a a self-seeking person? It's me covering myself. It's me saying to myself that really uh, I, I, I... I'm above. I have, I've done. I've kept my faith. I've, I've, I've sought God. He blessed me. He, he did something wonderful for me. And I'm forgiven for my sin. But when you begin to relate to another person in your family, you become accusatory. You, you become demanding. You become belittled. You become harassing. You become accusing. You become the finger pointing at that person. When you do that same thing, you have not received the repentance. Meaning, the sin you committed then, it will continue to commit as long as you live. So let me ask you this morning. Ephesians 2, verse 3, 2 and 3 says, This ungenerated behavior, meaning not changing, follows the way of the world. Let me read chapter 2, verse, uh, verses 2. It says, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. The world here is cosmos. Cosmos is a satanically organized system that hates and opposes all that is godly. It's a way of life. It's a way of life. She came to me and simply said to me, God has forgiven my adultery against my husband. But in the process, she broke the husband's resolve by heavy accusation toward him. They divorced. He married somebody else and is very happy. She continues to be tempted by Satan with the same sin everywhere she goes. And she is struggling with it up to this date. And as I begin to minister to this woman, I realized that she had to ask her husband forgiveness for accusing him year after year after year. What is the ways of the world? Cosmos is an organized system that hates and opposes all the godly things that God does. John 15, 18, and 23. Number two, the unsaved follows the ruler of the kingdom of the earth. Let me read to you. It says, wherein in the past you walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, that now works in the children of disobedience. So unsaved people follow the ruler of the king of the air. That's Satan. The whole world is under the control of the evil one. And so when you follow the ruler of the king of the air and you are unsaved, you are condemned. First John five nineteen. It says, we know that the whole world lies in weakness. How about someone that is saved, that still practices this type of behavior? Well, you live a life that has repented in repetitive sin because you never dealt with what you sin. It continues to happen. When does it happen? When the opportunity happens. When you're private. When you're by yourself. When you're overseas by yourself, when you're somewhere in the world and nobody's watching, Satan will come in and accuse you and belittle 
And before too long, you're in the same sin of the past. In the middle of the tribulation, folks, Satan will be cast down to earth. No longer to rule the world or have access to God's presence. Revelation 12, 19. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil. And Satan, which deceives the whole world, he was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Let me ask you this. How are you dealing with your sin? How do you process it in your life? First, you come to God for forgiveness. He will forgive you. He will tell you, there's no condemnation in me. Go and sin no more. Don't worry about it. Second, you will have to deal with people. When there is sin, there's others. And you are going to have to process them carefully and patiently. But if you condemn them, if you belittle them, if you accuse them, if you, if you play games with your rhetoric, you, ah, you simply blank, know what God has done for you, and you are in a worse state than you were before. That is the work of Satan. That's what condemnation is, to get you when you think you got. To accuse you, to put you down when you think you belittled, when you think you escaped. Now, the third reference to even Satan is, is, is on this verse. It says, the spirit who now works in the children of disobedience. What do you mean by that? That's the spirit that sees you trying to protect your sin, and he comes in. The spirit of Satan comes in, meaning Satan personally works in the sons of disobedience. The spirit here refers to the kingdom of darkness, which is controlled by Satan in the earth. The air, the atmospheric place. I hope you are getting the meaning of what I'm saying. In other words, to process sin properly, you have to be careful how you deal with others. You deal with others properly. You know, there's a divorce. He made wrong. He was accused of you. He did some terrible things towards you. You're divorced. Your job is to release him and to bless him and to speak kindness and gentleness to him and to lift, lift him up and build him up and encourage him instead of saying, you're full of demons. Because I tell you, the spirit of who is now at work and those who are disobedient will smell condemnation out of, out of the small... I don't care where you are. He will come into you and cause you to lose hope. Paul says that the ruler of the authority of the air, he claims before they knew Christ, the Gentile believed they were under two influences. They were under the influence of the course of this world and the ruler of authority of the air, which is Satan which Paul also qualifies as the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Listen to the word work here, working. The spirit now working in the sons of disobedience. What do you mean by that? That's the spirit that brings condemnation to a nice Christian. It's working. Satan is not a demon that simply sits and watches TV constantly. He is not taking a vacation. Is after your hide 24-7. He wants a piece of you. And when you have a sin and you process that sin, 
and you ask God to forgive you and you release. For you to accuse somebody else will be the worst mistake you have in the world. Not only accuse, but, but be unkind. Be, 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 be nasty. Accuse. Say things that are meaningful, harsh. My God Almighty, I don't understand how in the world you can accuse that husband of being mean or rush because you commit the same sin. In other words, it's impossible that you will not understand that uh, you have committed the same sins. The latter of these, the sons of disobedience, and these two phrases properly refers to the figure of the devil. Paul's language re- reflects similar terminology used in John. And I, and I went to John and I found it interesting. For instance, John twelve thirty one, it says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast down. John fourteen thirty. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world comes and has nothing in me. John sixteen eleven of judgment, for the prince of this world is judged. The other gospel referred to the ruler of the demons. Matthew nine thirty four. But the Pharisees said he cast out devils through the prince of the devils. First second Corinthians four four it says the God of this age. All of these references reflect a similar idea. Supernatural forces of which Satan is the chief figure or ruler reside in the realm of the air for which they contempt to corrupt humanity and frustrate the will of God. These references, Paul is warning us. I don't want to go any further. But let me say this to you. Are you in peace with yourself about your sin? Are you managing your sin properly in the sight of God? Or you got your finger out shooting everything you can shoot and killing everything you can kill in order to make you feel good? May the Lord convict you today. Hey!